Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, everyone. We are back with another episode of Crypto Sapiens, and today we are talking with Anjali Young, CCO of Collabland. She walks us through her personal journey in Web3 and her role at Collabland. We discuss NFTs, DAOs, collaboration, and community. We also touch on the current face of Collabland and what it may have in store for the future. I am personally very excited for this conversation, as Anjali is a good friend and I truly enjoy her energy and vision for the space that we are building together in Web3. So without further ado, let's get started. Thank you so much, Humpty, for having me. This is um, really exciting. And it's just been recently that I've started like thinking about ways where I'm going to be starting to speak on my own and, and Collabland itself. You know, we're developers first. James, who, you know, created the company and created the project, um, he's a developer first. And so our approach has been like, oh, we don't have to worry about marketing. We don't have to worry about, like, not only not worry about it, but like, we don't even think about it. It doesn't, it's just not on our radar. Um, even our Twitter, I run the Collabland Twitter account and it's mostly support questions. It's not necessarily us out there like talking about our vision or our future or messaging or anything like that. So I'm super excited to be here. Like I, I'm excited to talk about my personal story and what I love about this space. And it's just too much. I, I can't wait to dive into that. But also it's an exciting time to talk about Collabland and where we're moving forward with that. So there's a lot to talk about, and I'm just excited and happy to be here. So thank you. Great. Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about kind of how you got involved in the Web3 space. So I am, you know, new to crypto and old to crypto as well. Starting in 2016, um, James, my husband, who's also a co-founder of Collabland, um, started working in, in Ethereum, he was working at a company that was doing ad, um, ad sales and ad, um, anyway, like click throughs and, and there's so much fraud happening in that world that he's like, well, what about this new thing, Ethereum? Like, can we use these tokens somehow to like, get rid of the fraud that's happening in ad, you know, internet ads. Right. And so that started in 2016. At that point, I was not interested at all. I was very much doing my own thing outside of crypto. And James is a dreamer. Um, you know, we've been together um, 27 years this year. Um, this is his fourth startup. So I'm just like, OK, OK. You know, he's like the guy out on the lawn yelling at the sky. Literally, that was my crypto entrance to crypto, which is this seems interesting. This seems cool. But He's a dreamer. He lives in another dimension. And so I don't really take it that seriously. So that's starting in 2016. Now, starting at that point, James is literally earning. Our family is just earning in ETH now. And so, you know, I, I tell the story often about how we've sold ETH at $10. You know, we've sold ETH at $100. Like every month, the bills are still there in the regular world. And so we've 
been living in this world of cryptocurrency or it's been sustaining us, um, you know, for six years now. Um, it wasn't until last um, March, last February, March, where Collabland or Abridged was um, able to secure its first um, seed funding. Um, starting in 2018, that's when James started working on a bridge. But between like 2018 and 2021, there was, you know, there were many attempts to get funding. Um, but as any founder knows, like, it's not easy. And there were hundreds of phone calls that or emails or, you know, pings that just never got returned. And then when there was an opportunity to have one meeting, it's like it never turned into anything else. So it was like three solid years of just trying to get some traction with the bridge um, and hearing nothing back. So um, <clears throat> anyway, so in the spring of 2020, um, as a implementation of a bridge, which is no code, no code tooling. So a bridge initially um, was an opportunity to bridge web two and web three. So instead of saying, hey, developers come to web three and learn all of our tools and learn how to build an app abridged was no code tooling. So anybody could come in and put up an app using this no code tooling. And they didn't have to have the steep learning curve of learning to develop in, in crypto or web three. So, but because there was nobody here, you know, for me, that's still the perspective I have is like, there's nobody here. <laughs> like I have to remember everybody's here now, or like many, many people are here, but at that point it was impossible to even get anybody to want to come over. So the no code tooling kind of was like aspirational. Yes, we want people to come. We want developers to come. If the developers come, then the people will come. But because there's no people, there's no developers. And so it was kind of in this holding pattern for a few years. And then um, Collabland was actually a reference implementation of the no code tooling. It was an opportunity to say, hey, we built this app using our no code tooling. Now you see this app, cool. Maybe this will inspire you to make your own apps as well. Collabland came out of J James is very much into DAOs and very much a thought leader in terms of DAOs and an early adopter of DAOs and um, you know helped launch Meta Cartel and Malik DAO. And this tool, Collabland, was an opportunity for everyone who has shares in a DAO to come over and have a discussion. That was pretty much the reason it was a minimum viable DAO. So yes, we have this, we have an ability to vote online, but where do we have the ability to meet other DAO members together and talk and plan and collaborate? And so that was Collabland. It was literally the first meant for DAOs and a, and a DAO tool. Now, so that was initial, that was the initial implementation of it. And once that became, you know, it became available to everywhere. We, everybody, we saw that DAOs are interested in it, um, token, and then there are social token communities that are in, interested in it. So at this point, you're like, wait a second, this was going to be step one of a 12-step stack to full DAO functionality, full DAO integration, all in one, you know, being able to bring people together and DAO, you know, soup to nuts DAO. And now at this first level of just token granting roles based on a token that you own, we started on Telegram. So at this point it was just access to a channel. That's where people are getting excited. And this is kind of when I first joined, which is, um, I'm like, hold on, what's going on? Tell me about this product. Um, James, you know, we had just gotten some funding. And at this point, he's like, okay, you know, I want you to join as the CCO because look, we have this tool and it seems like a lot of communities are using it. And I, that's not me. Like, 
you know, he recognizes that's not him. He's like, you know, this is you, this is going to be a good fit for your skill set, And, you know, you can, you can do this part. And in crypto, you know, it's, it's the funniest thing, but like, and now I know this with hiring, it's like trust. It's just so important at that level. Like at this level, you know, James um, Raymond, who is our, our other um, co-founder and he's the CTO and myself, the three of us, like we just trust each other and having that is just it's so easy now, like as crypto is starting to develop and we meet more people, there are more actors involved. Um, I'm so grateful that we have this trust with each other, that it we don't have to second guess, especially in this time where it's like the money is so loud right now. And so during that time when the money is so loud, it's just so great to have you know, a team where we trust each other and we um, share the same vision um, for Collabland. Anyway, um, now I can't remember what the question was, but hope there was an answer there for you somewhere. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. So I think what you did is you answered the question, you provided tons of context to it, and you introduced Collabland. So, um, so you were talking about Collabland being this kind of way to feature the work that, or the I guess the the technical abilities of what like a bridge was intending to do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so almost like an MVP saying, look, this is what you could potentially build. You can go back to a bridge and do the same. Um, but now Collabland seriously has gained tremendous uh support within uh the Web3 communities, right? With NFT projects and DAOs. Uh and for all intents and purposes, I recall the last time we talked, uh, we had James on and he said, NFT communities are also DAOs, right? Because you hold a token that opens up an opportunity to engage with that community. And so it's a way to curate your communities too. So what are some of the things that you've seen in terms of the communities that are using Collabland that are unique or exciting or just generally even uh, in terms of you know, the the way that they're using Collabland and just generally the way that those communities come together. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately and how we started off as being a minimum viable DAO, which is like, it was for DAO members to come together. And then the social tokens took off and we're like, oh, this is going to be it. It's going to be the social club type of community. And so we'll have DAOs and we'll also have social clubs. And then, and if, so this is before months before even board ape. And so then when an NFT community comes on, we're like, oh, this is an interesting use case. You know, like we weren't thinking about NFT communities, but what's going on here? And I was super psyched. Like NFT communities are definitely where I find my sweet spot. I was like, holy hell, this is so cool. Like I'm super into NFT. Like I've just I'm an artist by hobby, I guess. I, um, yeah, I, I'm an artist in that way. I enjoy creating. And so this was like, what, this is really cool. Like you can buy this NFT. And then now I was personally going into and all these communities and tweeting them on, on Twitter and getting into their DMS and saying, Hey, will you use this product collab land? Like this could be a cool way for you to like get your community to, you know, you can, 
um, curate your community based on what asset they own. Will you use Collabland? So I was doing that like every day as these new communities were coming on. I was like finding any opportunity for me to like either DM them on Discord or DM them on Twitter. I mean, this is pre-scamming. Like this is before scamming became what it is in NFT communities. And so when I was reaching out to people, like they were like, oh yeah, we'll try Collabland or oh, yeah, what's, tell me more about that. It wasn't as suspicious. Like now I don't DM with anybody. My DMs are off. Like we're in a whole different world right now. But in those ye olde days, um, I could absolutely, um, you know, contact people and say, can you give Collabland a shot? At some point, and even in the beginning, I was doing like a Collabland community spotlight because there was like five communities using Collabland. So I was like, why not? Let me just do that. And so I did that like five or six times. And after that, Quickly, it became every community I asked to use Collabland, they're already using Collabland. Like I, that switch happened for me personally in terms of like what I was doing to try to get NFT adoption and then saying, oh my gosh, okay. That was the first like, whoa, this is cool moment for me, which is I don't have to tell anyone to use Collabland anymore. They're just all using it. So that put me into kind of another stage, I think. Then it's like, it gave me an opportunity to kind of like sit back and say, okay, what's going on here? And that was like mind blowing. Like for me, I'm like, wait a minute, like what is happening here? Like, what is this I was just like immediately sold on it, even though I've been sold on it on crypto and on James's vision. You know, like I said, we're partners and I trust him and, and believe in him um, regardless of what happens. Even if this all went to crap, I would still, you know, follow him. into that. Yeah. And so, um, so I didn't necessarily have well, 27 years, right? 27 years of marriage. That speaks to that. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be 27 years this um, Labor Day weekend. So yeah, and it's crazy because we talk about it now. This is our first time working together. Um, and it's a whole new dimension, you know, like this last year of working with him. It's like, I, I tell him and I tell people like, I knew he was smart. Like I knew, of course, I knew he was smart. Like I know he's a smart guy, but we weren't smart in the same things. And so he's like, oh, you're smart. And I'm like, yeah, you're smart. But like the things he's smart in, I I had no context in. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's smart. But it's the working together this year, it's like, he's really smart. Like, gosh, he's really smart. <laughs> and I have a new, I mean, like a new appreciation for him, which has been um, really fun. So it's like, I definitely recommend this for people, like um, working with your spouse, even though you've never done it before, or your partner. Like I said, we had 26 years of never working together. And so now it's like, it's just so much fun. And it makes it so much more rewarding because, you know, we have teenagers. So that molding shaping period is kind of over. They're already like, Hard boiled, um, but with <laughs> right, I like that. Hard boiled kids, <laughs> yeah, there, there, yeah. There's nothing I can do now, it's a hard boiled egg. But with Collabland, it's like a new creation, and um, it's very much art and science together. So, anyway, back to my original point of communities. So, I got to this point where I no longer had to beg people to use Collabland, but every community I was walking into or any new NFT I was buying, they were automatically using Collabland. And that was just a lot of fun. Um, being able to be, and even then, we didn't necessarily know what it was going to be, but being able to be a seat or have a seat at the beginning of what are these new creations, um, crypto communities. And 
like in that, I mean, it's just mind blowing now, like what I've been able to witness from the beginning and to see these communities evolve. And the reason I bring this up is to say we built a a DAO tool. It was meant to be a DAO tool. And now all of these NFT communities, you know, even when James was saying NFT communities are DAOs, um, yes, because they all have the same financial asset. And at some level, they all have the same goal or the same mission. Um, But now what we see with NFT communities, which is a shared treasury um, vote snapshot voting. um, Now it's like even more what we would consider to be what a typical DAO would be, which is a shared bank account and, you know, voting. And so it's like, it really has become the thing that we built. And I find that to be just so fascinating that we built a DAO tool. And in the in the process of people coming and using that tool, now we are seeing on the, on the other end, DAOs. <laughs> so it's like, it really did become the thing that we created, even though in the center, middle there, we were just like, what is this? You know, it, it was a decision of whether or not we should continue to go up the stack with building DAO tooling, or if we should go wide in terms of like, you know, supporting EVM chains. And now we're going to support a different blockchain and, you know, keep growing wider. And that with a small team, like I said, you know, we trust each other implicitly. We're a very small team you don't have the time to do everything. You can't do everything. And so even at that point saying, should we grow grow wider with more chain support and more wallet support, or should we grow up the stack and support DAOs, which is James's vision? Like that was the first real kind of conflict point because, you know, with developers, they want to do the next cool big thing. You know, this is a time for innovation, in crypto. Like you don't want to be like a supporting technology. I mean, yes, I guess, but for somebody like James and somebody like Raymond, it's like, what's the next thing? Where can I push this more? And I'm saying, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we go to where our customers are? Because I'm in these communities and I see how much they are using us and they need us. And I see this magical thing that's happening, this new type of organism that's developing. It's not a family relationship. It's not a friend relationship. It's not, you know, like an outrage relationship. It's, it's this, and it's not even the support community, you know, like I come from, I've been a part of communities since the beginning of the internet. I mean, I don't know. I was before there was a web, I used to dial up. Um, when I was a teenager, I would dial up to BBSs and text chat, you know, with strangers and then meet, go and meet them. Um, in real life. And now that I think about it, I'm like, holy hell, like, that's it's like, would you advise that to your kids today? It's like, no, don't meet up with strangers, but it was a different time. I'm on board. I I did similar things. Yes. (laughs) That's right. And so I was like, you know, yeah, meeting strangers on the internet. So even then I was like, oh, this is so cool. I love the idea of meeting people, not based on necessarily where I live. Well, this was in Los Angeles. I was meeting people in Los Angeles, but you know, not people in my tiny little town, but I'm meeting people all over the place. And the only thing we have in common is that we have this interest in this online community. We are into the idea of meeting people online and getting to know each other in this text way. And that's part of what's also super like crazy nostalgic and cool for me is that, you know, after having Instagram and Facebook and whatever, all these like glossy kind of, um, you know, apps and ways to communicate with each other. It's like, we're back to text. Like, this is my sweet spot. Like with Telegram community initially, and then with Discord, it's like, this is my jam. Like it 
hits and fires all of my cylinders in terms of reminds me of a time when I was just discovering online communities and it's all text-based and you know, we're all aliases. My, my first, like, you know, at that point we called them handles. I don't even know if they call that anymore, but like my handle was Daisy chain and that's a great name. Yeah. When people would meet me, they would call me Daisy. So I didn't even have, like, it wasn't even my name. Like I was already moving into that like pseudo anonymous kind of, um, like identity. And then with Facebook, where everything gets to, you know, who you are, everything, you know, you can type in my name and whatever you can find out, like who I'm married to and what my, what I did when I graduated and like, whatever, like I just got on LinkedIn because of Collabland, like I had no desire to be on LinkedIn, but Facebook was kind of the same thing, which is like, there's no more pseudo anonymity. It's now like, just you're very limited because you're very much just you know, what you look like and where you went to school and who your friends were, who your friends were growing up or who you have access to in your social circle, you know, like that's very limiting. And not everybody is in a situation where they have access to a social circle where maybe that is the best fit for them or is going to allow them to unlock more success in their life. So, you know, in that way, that that system was just, and then we saw with Trump and vaccines and how it became so toxic. And there's just really no escape from that. And so, you know, I stopped using Facebook in May of 2020. And that was kind of a couple of months after the pandemic for that reason, where I just felt overloaded and overburdened by this pressure of being me and having to fight with people who disagreed with me and knowing I know who they are and they're friends with my parents or they're my daughter's elementary school teacher. And it just became overwhelming. And so in that way, crypto has also been, you know, it's an escape for on many different levels, but personally, I would say on, on that one as well. Yeah. So Again, so much context, so many things to unpack here. So thank you. Um, I want to explore a little bit about you in terms of what you mentioned, uh, your background in art, right? And I am curious to understand or to learn if there is any of that that reveals itself as you navigate the world of NFTs, right? So you and I, we chat semi-regularly and we talk about NFTs because, I mean, we look at the background right now and there's quite a few really interesting projects, some of which I own as well. So I'm curious to kind of learn how your background in art is influencing maybe some of your decisions in the art, the NFTs that you collect. And yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you um, for that. You know, I... I want a solid team, but really I, I have to relate to the art. Like it, so at that point, I'm not really a good influencer and I'm not a good speculator. Like if an, something, if it appeals to me and then I hop into the discord, of course, I mean, I will say there are moments when I don't, um, but it's rare, maybe one out of 25, I won't go to the discord first, but you know, 24 of those 25, I go into the discord first. I kind of get a peek around. I see what's going on. If it's too hypey, I'm not interested. Um, and I'm not 
it's just the speculation aspect of it is a red flag for me. And, you know, James reminds me all the time, like people are here for the casino. That's how we get them. That's how we grab their attention. Without the casino, we wouldn't be able to get their attention. And so it's like they come for that casino and then we get them on everything else. Um, It's kind of like a Jedi move, right? And so, but for me, I will say that like, if it's an artist who has a a decent body of work, if they come from um, the, not necessarily the traditional art world, but if they've been creating for a long time, Um, I'm less interested in projects that are like one-time drops um, that are, that feel more speculative to me. I'm still very much interested in the art part of it. And so having a relationship with the artist to any degree, like, is such a thrill for me. Like with Collabland, we did an NFT um, October 31st when we reached 1 million connected wallets um, and we did a membership NFT. And so I had the privilege and the benefit of being able to like tap an artist and say, hey, you know, are you interested? Do you think you'd want to work on this project with us? Um, These free NFTs are going to go to as many people that are connected with Collabland. So this is an opportunity like for people to see your work. And it's also an opportunity for me to like work with an artist one-on-one and create with them. And then also to just elevate somebody as well. And so um, it was, it was very exciting. So like, that's one of my favorite things. And um, the artist, her name is Popiel um, and she is wonderful. And, you know, selfishly through that relationship of saying, Oh, can you do a collab land NFT? Like now I'm in relationship with her. And that's been true for many other artists as well. Like that relationship that a patron can have to an artist is just not something that I've ever had access to. Um, So for me, just also being an artist, that is really just huge. Like, I don't even know how to put into any monetary way what that means to me to be in relationship with artists. And through Collabland, I've also been able to be in relationship with artists in that artists that wouldn't be have been interested in having a friendship with me before or having any kind of relationship with me now, now will reach out to me and I get to do that. Like, I, I don't know. It's just so I just feel so lucky in so many different ways. Um, but that's definitely a huge part of it in terms of like what what this is, you know, what communities are. Now, that's one side of it, right? Like being a relationship with the artist and then, you know, believing in the art and liking the art. Absolutely. Like if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be into this. And so it's like that has helped me to even get deeper into it. Like before it's like, oh, this is work. Yes, I believe in online communities. And then wait, what? There's like this art angle here. Like I am at that point just like, it's like all of my pieces are connecting into one thing. Um, So yeah, as far as like, what do I look for in NFT community? You know, relationship to artists, obviously um, not a spammy, scammy community. Um, Maybe not one that's necessarily so obsessed with utility. Like utility for me is a very much of a a red flag. Um, And then when I've, you know, had talks with early teams that are saying like, well, we have this planned and this planned and this planned and this planned. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this is an ongoing communication. Like this is a relationship you're building with your community. And so I don't like when a community comes out and says, we're doing this, 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 and this, because then you're not speaking to your community and you're not getting ongoing feedback. What you should be doing is like doing small experiments and then iterating with your community. And so 
that's the unlock. It's like, not only am I a patron, but I'm also an employee. I'm also a co-founder. I'm a partner. Um, You know, a lot of these NFT communities, anyone that I'm in, they're not spending money on marketing. They're not spending money on advertising. If I'm a fan, I'm going to share it and Humpty's going to see it. And that's going to be advertising. And so for that reason, because I think of the value of the communities is, is really the value, that relationship. Why would you want to come out and say, I have all these things planned? I, I'm curious, you, you, you were talking about, you know, these artists and the way that they can build communities. You know, that's very different from the way that they were able to build communities in the past. I think that is a wonderful feature of Web3 is the way that people who are creative or have technical ability can build a community around them that supports the work that they do and really as almost as a patron right and to your point in terms of like utilities sure utility is is fun and fine if you if you have the right team to 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 do that but for the most part if you choose to come into the space and you have a story story to tell through your art and that story connects with people like yourself and myself and we choose to uh basically purchase that as a patron of your work that that usually is enough right so yeah i'm i'm with you there in terms of like web3 is such a wonderful tool you know for creators and innovators to build communities around them that advocate for them you know to the other point you were making that become these ambassadors for their work and really go out and like show how excited they are about that work, but also many times, you know, this whole PFP thing, uh, want to feature it as their Web3 identity, right? People say it's like, oh, I really uh, align with the way that this looks and feels and really is vibing with who I am and how I'm feeling today. So yeah, that's really exciting. You, you know, it's interesting because I detest filters. I'm a dot or um, I'm a woman, obviously, but I am also the mother of a soon to be 17 year old. I just turned 48. So it's like, I'm kind of from a time before filters. Um, I, I just, I find them horrifying. Um, I think it's so, it's an unreasonable expectation. You know, like my generation had magazines, um, you know, we'd look through our magazines and we'd say, oh, I wish I looked like that model or oh, that model doesn't have any um, stretch marks or that model doesn't have any whatever loose skin or whatever the situation is. And like, that was us. That was for my generation of women, right? Like of women that were influenced in popular media. And then filters started coming out. Like it's, it's from after my time, but like Snapchat filters and Instagram. I mean, people are using filters all the times on their faces. And my first real joy of this PFP thing was no more filters. I'm not going to have to look at filters, you know, women or um, anyone really that is feeling like there's some flaw on their face. Now they no longer have to be limited by having their representation, their identity being based on what they were born with. This is genetic lottery. I have no I can take no credit for what I look like and what my face looks like and, you know, how thick my hair is or whatever my body type is or my skin color. And so it's like, that is always a limiting factor. Um, you know, 
of course, there's progress being made, but we're so far still from any idea of equality or, you know, removal of prejudice or it's just, I don't even know if we're capable of that as human beings, you know, like with communities now, online communities, um, it's like, why are we in communities? Why are human beings in communities at all? And it started for me when I did like 23andMe to say like, oh, you know, tell me, I want to know about what's going on with me or what I'm about. And it was like my people, you know, like my genetic material, you know, started in Africa and then it worked its way north and then it worked its way east. And, um, you know, where I was over time and it makes me think about those people and why did they stay together? And the reason people stay together is safety. And we need that in, crypt in crypto and in Web3 as well. It's almost like our communities, our NFT communities, because they're somewhere that we share the same financial asset, it's a type of community that instills trust. And so with that trust comes safety. And so it's like where crypto community is going, they're not going anywhere. We've been in community for at least I can tell you about my Anjali genetic material, 150,000 years. And so it's like safety is going to exist. We're going to need safety. And that is something that NFT communities or DAOs or social token communities provide. Now, the next thing, what do we use for communities? Identity. It gives us identity. I look the way I do. I have certain markings on my face. You know, I'm come from that community. Now I have the identity of that community. I can shorthand with you because you know what I'm about. and the PFP situation has been an unlock in those two ways. One, it's an opportunity to be free. I can have, use a male NFT. I can use a non-binary NFT. I can use a duck. I mean, you know, I don't even have to be human. Um, I could be a zombie. I could be a creature, whatever. And secondly, it shorthands what I'm about. It shorthands like I align myself with this community. So that is just... It's just different, you know, it's just liberating. And it's also just something new that we've created with our space. It's like the people think of crypto and what's crypto and it's like, it's money, but it's not, look what I'm talking about. Like when I talk about crypto to people, it never includes money. I'm not talking about money. Look what I'm talking about and look what this is. It's something that we have, it's a new, it's new innovation in relationships. Like, how often do we get to see that? Like, I don't think I've felt this way since 1993. Oh, cool. I like that you say that because, you know, one of the things that I've, I realize, I mean, every day is a new day to learn something in this space. And so I try like you to plug myself in, into as many communities as possible to kind of hear some of the conversations that are being had, but more importantly, to kind of hear how this technology and this space is like supporting them in their either self-discovery process or reinforcing that part of who they are and feeling comfortable in that skin and saying, look, this is me. I'm going to own that and come along for the ride. And if you feel like me, join me, right? Um, for, you know, on, on this ride. And so Poapathon was having a International Women's Day event. And so many people were coming in and talking about like what, you know, this space meant for them, Web3, NFTs, Poaps just generally. And, you know, there's just so many people being represented, right? And I think that that is like really exciting to see to your point where people can just be comfortable in who they are and express that more loudly and find ways, you know, like going back to 1993, uh, because I was around then too, um, where 
you know, you can build these communities, very tight and uh, supportive communities that are clearly in line with the way that you see the world, but also that are supportive in you expressing yourself and being comfortable in that and feeling safe, feeling secure, right? So yeah, I think that that's such a uh, wonderful aspect of what this technology and what this com- these communities can uh, open up for us. Oh my gosh, I'm smiling ear to ear because you know, we just see this in so many of the same ways, Humpty. And so talking to you is just so much more fun because it's like we get to get to another level. And, you know, one thing about being here and, you know, that James and I share this idea together, which is there is no success if you can't be a hundred percent you. And that's the way we want it. Like, I don't want success unless I'm leaning in hard to who I am as a person and what I believe and just being the fullest version of myself. And that's probably also a backlash to, you know, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, where you need to put out this beautiful image of yourself. Oh, oh, I'm going to post this picture of my baby's first birthday. Let me clean up all the stuff around it. Let me take a picture in this one spot. So that way everything is in the back. I've set up the balloons perfectly. And now I have my kid's cake and, oh, oh, wait a minute. There's a little, I better use my um, editing feature because there's like a scrape on the frosting. And so let me fix that. And so when I'm posting my picture, it's like this perfect curated image. It's like same thing as the filter. You know, we need to show it. It's the like, 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 and we want everyone to like our picture. And oh no, if there's a little mistake on it, no one will, if that will cost me a like. And I want to show everybody I'm this best version of myself where I'm living this like ultra glamorous, amazing life. And yeah, you should be envious because it's amazing. And as a backlash to that, I find it that idea that we can just be the full expression of ourselves, what we want to be, PFP included, we want, I want to be a duck. That's what I want to be. And I believe in what Subducks is doing. And I think that they're, you know, I believe in Frankie, the artist and whoever it is for all the different artists. And that's what I want to be. And it's not anymore about trying to be a fake version of you. You don't have to be. There's so many different communities now. If you're in a community, and that's the beauty of NFTs as well, is that there's there's an exit opportunity. You know, most of the time, like if you spent any real money on it, like at, at least now, you know, it can change overnight. But there is an opportunity at some point to buy out, you know, sell out of that project and maybe buy into a new project that you are more closely aligned with. And you don't need to make those compromises where we've all been stuck in these little boxes before. Now it's like, just be you. And we will be successful if we're all being ourselves. You know, if we're all come, instead of getting into this like group thinking, if we all come at this with our different experiences, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in diversity, making the raft stronger. You know, I mentioned this on my Twitter yesterday, but I was in a call yesterday and someone used the word minority, like to be a minority in crypto. And I thought for one thing that I haven't heard, you know, prior to crypto or I had more time then, but I was, you know, very much involved with like um, discussions about race and power. And, um, you know, our children are 
I'm a transracially adoptive parent. And so, you know, I'm involved in those communities with different power imbalances. And so it's always been on my mind language, how language is used is important. It has weight. Um, and someone used the word minority in crypto. And I thought, wait, you know what, that, that word minorities, you know, people as minorities, that feels really outdated for crypto. You know, I suggest you don't use that word. And I thought, huh, that's interesting that I feel that way, that my initial reaction is I don't want to use that word. Um, and then I looked it up and there really isn't a minority in crypto. Um, it, that doesn't mean anything. Like within each country, there may be minority groups. Um, but as far as crypto as a movement, who's involved, all the countries that are involved with crypto, you know, I looked at yesterday and it was like 100 million people in India. That's the most. It's like it, it, there is no minority in terms of like this is a global movement. There, like if you mean minority for like skin color, that just doesn't exist. It doesn't feel applicable. And that just reminds me that this is so early that we can start using the language that we want to see being used. And we can start pushing back on language that we don't, you know, if it does not feel right, push back. You know, this is early days. We have the opportunity to shape that discussion and the discussion that we want to see. What I'm hearing is in terms of the language that we're using and the way that we uh, are segmenting the community, if we choose to look at it from the lens of race and geographical location, we may influence the way that we, um, I guess, engage with people in Web3 that is uh, similar to the way that we may be uh you know, engaging and talking about them today in the traditional world, where maybe in the future, because of the private nature of blockchain and cryptocurrencies and the ability to be pseudonymous, that none of that matters, right? Like it is almost like this world where you can embody whomever and uh, however you choose to represent yourself. And so you can apply the identity to your character in this Web3 game that you want. It could be, to your point, a duck. It could be a zombie. Um, and really embody it in a way that's maybe more fair because of the fact that you're not walking in with your race or background first, but you're actually walking in with your uh, ability to interact with the space in as um, fair and inclusive as way of, as possible from the very beginning. And you know, what's one of those things, sorry, that's one of those things that really excites me about this space because I know Collabland is at the forefront of how it, it is, opens up these possibilities. I know you and I and uh, James have discussed like some of the things like reputation and how this could potentially start uh, introducing itself into the space where it no longer also is your, your participation in the space is also no longer limited by the capital that you bring into the space, but it also has to do with the reputation that you've built up just simply by being active and contributing to projects. So that, that's definitely something that truly excites me about like DAOs, for instance, and the integration of them with Collabland. That's exactly right. And so it's like, it still matters what, you know, how, how people, what people think of you and how you're represented still matters, but it's not going to be based on where you live. It's not going to be based on whether you can buy a computer or not. If you only have a phone, it's not going to be based on your education level um, or whatever, you know, any of those things that we depend on or what college you went to for sure. Um, and so now it's going to be based on your 
behavior, your activity in Web3. And that's absolutely been true. You know, the thing about Collabline, even it's like it started off as, like I said, Dow tooling and then token gating chat or token granted roles was the very first mass adoption position. At that point, when it started getting traction, we did not think of ourselves as a data aggregator. We did not think of ourselves as a crypto historian or a witness to history. That wasn't, that's just not what we're thinking about. We're thinking about, oh, okay, what do we do? Do we build another DAO tool? Do we continue to add a new chain? It's like literally being in the weeds, you know, fighting the fight. However, you know, at at 2 million connected wallets, now at 3.5 million, we are a data aggregator. And so now the responsibility is not, just obviously continuing to support the business that we have. But now it's thinking at another level, what can we unlock for people to help them build their Web3 resume? You know, from the beginning, really starting last summer when we were thinking about, shoot, what are we going to do? We're having this traction. This is even before pre-1 million users. And we're like, we're going to need to raise another round because we're going to have to keep this going. And what if, you know, we run out of money from our seed round? We literally just had a seed round and, you know, we need to grow the team and we need to support whatever. And at that point, we're like, we were presented with an offer. And the answer was, wait a second, what are they valuing us at? You know, we don't generate an income or we don't have a revenue. Like, how can they come up, come to us with this large number and say, you're worth this much and here's multi-million dollars for you now. What is this? Is let's take a step for a minute. Let's recognize our responsibility now, sitting on all of this data. And let's think about how we can possibly make a difference in the way people think about crypto and Web3 communities. And so then we passed on the Series A and we did, you know, this NFT drop. And then we also had an NFT sale, um, which was a patron NFT, which pretty much said, if you like what Collabland is doing, if you think we've been some value to the ecosystem um, and you want us to keep going, then can you, you know, will you buy a patron NFT? And it very much came to me as an idea because I'm a, um, I listen to NPR. And so I'm happy to um, give money to NPR because I like the work that they're doing. I don't expect that there's going to be some NPR token and that I'm going to speculate on the N- NPR token. I just like what they're doing and I'd like for them to keep doing what they're doing. Whether or not I continue to listen, because now I have very little time to listen to NPR, but I I have listened and I have found great value in it. And so, and that gives you a little peek into the type of people we are, but you know, I'm happy to donate whenever I can to keep that service available for everybody. And I felt that there was enough people in our communities and in our ecosystem that would say, yes, I find Collabland valuable. Even if I don't continue to use Collabland, I want Collabland to be available for free for all the communities that are coming after. And yes, we were able to double our seed round funding with that NFT sale. And, you know, that's how we survive today. And that's how it's allowed us because our communities are our bosses for us to say, no, we're not going to monetize this data. No, we're not going to share this data with anybody. 
You, Humpty, gets to get to own your data. You get to share it with who you want to share it with. And that's coming in the terms of um, verifiable credentials. And so you are going to be able to decide, opt in, opt out on who you're going to share that with. Now, if you want to join a new DAO, you can say, this is a, re this is a date I joined this DAO. You know, I was tipped this much for this. Um, and you can see from the dates of when I belong to that DAO, I was an early adopter. I was an early contributor. So or even with NFT communities, you can say, oh, I was in this community early and I was on this community early. Now I'm starting a new community. You can see that I've been in this space and that I've you know, been a participant and an active member in this space long enough. So that gives me more validity. Does it matter what I look like? Does it matter my age? No. We're, we're almost thinking of this as like a redo to the internet. Like now it's your crypto not based on where, what school you've been, gone to or what job you've had. It's what your activities have been in crypto. And that and is egalitarian in that you don't even need a computer. You know, you can just have Wi-Fi in your phone and more people have phones in the world than functioning toilets. So there's your, you know, um, entrance. That's the entrance to crypto. You don't have to start with a million dollars. You can start with, you know, such a small amount. There's so many projects that start, you know, that mint at, you know, on all the different blockchains for starting at a few dollars. No, I mean, there's even a few other ones that just based on your activity and their community, even before they had a token, if there's any kind of, uh, you know, uh, history of that, they're happy to, you know, share some of those tokens with you so you can be a part of that from the very beginning. So yeah, certainly there's different ways of like making this accessible to everyone in the future. So as we get close to wrapping this up. I would love to hear, I know it's been such a great chat. As we get close to wrapping it up though, I really want to hear what your thoughts are on how this space is continuing to evolve and like how Collabland will evolve along with it. Oh, so fun. So along with decent, so pretty much Collabland wouldn't be Collabland if it wasn't for the communities that are using us. You know, it's not like we were like, aha, token granted rules. That's going to be the big winner and we're doing it. And, and now we're going to all be millionaires. Like that wasn't what this is. This was literally a, you know, a reference implementation to the no code tooling. It was a DAO tool. It was never, that's what it was on a ultimate, that's all it was ever going to be. What it has become is now, you know, over 3.5 million wallets connected. Um, and, and that's where we are now. And so it has turned from what do we want to do to what do we want to see happening and what do our communities want and need? And so the decisions that we're making moving forward don't feel like a stretch. They don't feel like a shot in the dark. They feel very grounded. And even though we've come to this place slowly, you know, compared to other crypto projects and hypey projects, it's very much led by what we see in our communities. Now, the way I describe, so we're going to be decentralizing, um, we're going to be decentralizing, obviously, not only financially, financially, but we're going to be decentralizing through, you know, verifiable credentials, everyone's going to own their own data, but also we're moving into a decentralized um, development environment. And so Collabland is going to be, has its own API and whoever wants to connect with that Collabland API can connect, you know, whether it be GitHub, whether it be Instagram, whether it be, you know, whoever. Right now we, you know, we move from Telegram to Discord and now um, we're adding a Reddit implementation, but really we do not want to be the bottleneck 
or whoever wants to connect with Collabland. And the way we came up with this idea that whoever wants to use Collabland can use Collabland is because of the communities themselves. Communities themselves are already, you know, as they mature, right? Like they all have a, there's like a, a maturity that happens in communities, just like in human beings, you know, you're a baby and then you're a toddler and then you're a teenager. Like it's the same thing in these communities. Like they start off as maybe just having their NFT or just having their social token. And then they may have a companion drop, which is another token. And then they may do an ERC 20, which is another token. And then they start having voting. So that's something else that happens. Then there's an arm in that community that wants to only talk about media relations and wants to be the point person. So that if um, NBC, ABC, Fox, um, whatever, Turner television wants to communicate with that community, then they have a point person. So they're, Communities are not going to be in one place. Um, it's just like all the Indians in America are not congregating in one place, but maybe we have some similar values and we belong to some community. Um, in the same way, NFT communities or crypto communities are not going to live in one place. There, I don't believe, based on what I've seen, that there is going to be a crypto native platform that is going to be able to hold a crypto community. That is just not the way I imagine this is going to go. Um, what I imagine is that your crypto community can live anywhere that is most comfortable. If I'm an engineer and I want to hang out on GitHub and I want to do, you know, the innovating on that side for my community, well, then that's what I'm going to do. If I want to be on the Notion doc because I am the secretary for the town hall and I don't really participate in the discord, but I do go to the town hall. And then during the time in between the town halls, I'm coordinating with people and it's on a Notion doc then that's where I want my community to also meet. I need to be, with Collabland, I want to be sitting on top of all the different ways that people are already meeting and communicating and working together. So your community doesn't have to be one thing because a community is, that word is too big to mean one thing. So, you know, with verifiable credentials, we're going to give people we, whatever we witness, what Collabland can witness, we will share. And so they can share that. We don't share it. And also, like I said, this API to API access. And so we don't want to be the one where you say we want you to integrate with so and so. OK, we're not going to be the one that decides that the DAO is going to decide that once we decentralize. And so that's what we imagine. And then in the future, it might be some AR, VR, whatever. But Collabland is going to be an opportunity for you to know the goings on of your community in all these different platforms. Can I say one more thing? Uh, okay, I'm sorry. But, you know, it's interesting because I think about this a lot. Like what happened with Discord? What happened with Telegram? Where we just moved there and then all the crypto communities moved there. And Discord is like, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing here? And what is this business you're doing? We, this is not something we anticipated and we don't get what's going on here, but okay, you've moved in now and you're doing your thing. So it's like, we've moved into traditional web two or whatever you want to call it, uh, platforms with our community saying we live here now. It doesn't mean you don't get to take advantage of us. You know, I pay for Nitro. Most people who are in more than 100 servers, obviously, if you're into NFTs, have Nitro. So Discord is making money off of our participation. But what we're doing is we're also using it for our purposes.
we're saying, yeah, we're using your tools. We're using your land. You know, the way James described it is we're using your commercial real estate, but you're not seeing our value. We're letting you have your bit by buying your nitro or on Facebook, maybe buying ads or whatever, but we're using it for our reasons. And you don't get to enjoy the upside of our, what we're doing in terms of financial gains. And I think why the hell not? Like I've been, I was on Facebook, you know, from the time my daughter was a baby until May of 2020, they did not share any of that ad revenue with me. Um, I put in my work there to help build Facebook, just like all the other billions of people that have done that. Why not, instead of building our own platforms that have to be everything to everybody, why don't we just move into this commercial real estate, use it for our needs and let them do all of the support that goes on to it and all the innovating and all of the, you know, whatever, the upkeep that goes on and our, what crypto unlocks, why do we need to rebuild what has already been built? So I think of it more in terms of a city, like a, a country, a city, like, you know, you may want a church, you may want a bank, you may want a business park, your community, even though it lives online, it still needs these different um, commercial real estate in different places. And that's how I imagine where Collabland is going to be. It's going to be sitting on top of that in terms of like a connective tissue and a way for you to know what's the ongoings or the goings on of your crypto community on different platforms. And we're not saying, oh, we want to leech all the value away from these traditional platforms. We don't, but they can have their bit and let's just use it for what our needs are. So that's how I imagine it. And that's a wrap. I truly hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you'd like to learn more about Anjali, you can follow her on Twitter at Dama Deraka. And to learn more about Collabland, go to collab.land or follow them on Twitter at collab underscore land underscore. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcast. And stay tuned for our next discussion.